AI is going to definitely change how you live, work, and play. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. For the first time, it's actually threatening more the white collar mm-hmm. occupation as opposed to in the past. If you look at all the other human evolutions and revolutions, you know, the industrial, the agricultural, all of these, you know, they put a lot of fear. There was a massive fear factor in this revolution. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. I'm going to hit record. Let's record it. Five, four, three, two. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Michelle Jong. She is the founder and CEO for Fire Capital, an amazing woman. We have our, my background and her background has so many crossovers. Both of us were strategy consultants, consultants, problem solvers to begin with. Uh, we have some uh, crossovers in the tech world, and now we have crossovers in the syndication world, process development. It's like so much in common. I had to bring Michelle here uh, to share her story. So what, what I want to focus on today, uh, or bring your attention today, is we're going to be talking a lot about the role that AI plays. Michelle is a syndicator. She does, uh, she does a lot of great stuff, and we'll also delve into that. But really, when the focus I want to see is how is AI changing our world? And Michelle is, is is an expert in that domain. Like, you know what, we'll give you some tips and advice on how you may be able to incorporate, not just in the investing journey, but in your personal journey. How can we make your personal lives better with AI? That's what we're going to start with. And then we're going to delve into a little bit more into the syndication world, investing world, which we always do. And then uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I, it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you, audience, for um, for listening in, hopefully you'll get a lot out of the discussion in terms of AI as well as overall economic trends and all the good, other good stuff that we'll dive into today on the call. So I'm, I am very confident you'll have tremendous yeah. So Michelle, let's start with the conversation on when you hear the term migrate to wealth. What does that mean to you? So it's as as we had discussed in a previous discuss, um, call, I am actually a first-born generation American. I come from an East Asian background, Chinese immigrants, um, parents. And so when I think of migrate to wealth, there's so many different layers that come into it. I, I think of immediately the journey my parents came in terms of pursuing their American dream, establishing a family here, starting from nothing, and... Uh, I also think of the concept of wealth from, in a general idea of that rich does not equal wealth. You know, wealth to me is very much a type of funded contentment. And it's our ability as, as parents, as adults, pursuing our own individual form of what makes us happy. And that is the migration, that, tra- that journey towards what we define our individual wealth is. So whether that is pursuing a van life journey or whether it's pursuing the, you know, the uh, private jets and and own yacht journey, everyone has a different price tag. So I think of it, I think, I think definitely of both sides. Love that. So Michelle, let's, let's actually think, think through it. 
has that definition of wealth for you evolved? I'm assuming that's your current definition of wealth. Uh, let's go back in time when when you were 16, 17, 18, when you thought you're going to have a lot of money or whatever your passions were for wealth at that time. How has, the, how has that definition evolved for you? You know, it's definitely... It's definitely evolved. It's a great question. It's definitely evolved from one of of creating my own journey, creating my own independence. So I'm kind of tying in a couple of uh, things here to answer your question. But the 16, 17, 20-year-old, well, I mean, I wasn't really thinking of you know how I was going to build wealth, to be honest with you. But um, uh, the jobs that we were as immigrant, uh, listening to our immigrant parents were very much, you know, white collar jobs become an engineer become a doctor become an accountant right i think i disappointed my parents a lot (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm a consultant (laughs) consultant was definitely not one of them and software the whole industry didn't exist back then but right uh, right but uh, this, uh, so so my sister became the doctor so that covered that's good there's somebody in the house who came down that's good that's good (laughs) But so it's basically one of uh, one thing I really learned. I only learned after the MBA program that was, you know, the rich dad, poor dad. And I really wished I was given that book when I was because it really taught us about, you know, uh, the difference between the W2, the rat race and creating your own wealth, uh, your own journey. And that's really also one of the reasons why fire capital exists. I mean, a lot of us have heard of the fire journey and the fire concepts, you know, financial independence, retire early. There's all these different flavors to that. For me, fire capital stands for financial independence through real estate. So that's a different take on FIRE, but that's mm-hmm. my journey. And so if I was telling my, if I was if I had to give one lesson to my twenty-year-old, that would have been that book, "The Rich Dad, Poor Dad," about the, you know the difference between, you know, the the great engineering job and the W two, that great salary doesn't necessarily equal wealth. That doesn't yeah. necessarily that keeps you in the rat race. And, and I think that that's great, and I think you're doing fairly well. Uh, you've already achieved the wealth uh, to a great extent, but of course, the the wealth you can never achieve wealth because it changes the, def- the wealth. The definition changes as uh, as you yes. get closer to that goal. They and it's it's not really like chasing money, which is what I like the the way to define it as. It's not about chasing money. Also, never ends because if you have a thousand dollar, you want ten thousand. If you have ten thousand, you want a million. If you want a million, you got a billion. This never ends. If you have a billion now, you want to be the Elon Musk. It's just it's just that you keep going and going. Oh, it never finishes. I, I don't know how who Elon Musk compares himself to next, but I'm sure he can find some other person to compare against. So that just never ends. But the beauty of defining the wealth that we just defined, it's really even if the journey is endless, it's very productive. It's very satisfying. It's very a uh, pro life. Right, kind of yeah. like it, it's going to fuel your life rather than take the life away from you. That's really where I think it's important. Yeah, it's very very important. yeah, that's that's a great way to put that. So, Michelle, tell us about the AI journey. Then, how did how did AI fit into your wealth journey? So it's it's funny because if you asked me uh, when I left 
the tech world in 2017. If I'd be back in tech and thinking about it, I I wouldn't. I'd be scratching my head and what are you talking about? I'm full on real estate, but you know AI's been this massive buzzword in the last year, year and a half, and unfortunately, there's a lot more artificial in AI than intelligence part of it. Yeah, that's fair. So fair. <laughs> I I felt compelled to kind of help people kind of look through the fog that it's presented itself and go, okay, a lot of us are at an age where we've seen the big boom and bust cycles in tech at least one or two times. And yeah. so I feel that pretty strongly that this is just another boom that we're going through and which a lot of folks are just slapping on the AI strategy, just like in the early 20s, people slapped yeah. on the the dot-com strategy and all of a sudden their stock price was supposed to yeah. increase by you know, multiples. AI is going to definitely change how you live, work, and play. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. For the first time, it's actually threatening more the white-collar mm-hmm. occupation as opposed to in the past. If you look at all the other human evolutions and revolutions, you know, the industrial, the agricultural, all of these, you know, they put a lot of fear. There was a massive fear factor in this revolution. Um, some jobs were lost and a lot of jobs were gained. So we're at that pivot cycle right now where we're just, there's a lot more fog. There's a lot more fear around that, you know, however it is true. I mean, it will impact different sectors differently. There was a huge, last year, there was a huge strike in LA amongst um, actors because they were fearing that AI was going to replace their jobs, you know, all the B actors' jobs, because they're just going to fill it with artificial right. um, actors to lower the costs. If you're around the Bay Area, you're going to see a lot of driverless taxis, you know, Cruise and Waymo, actually just just Waymo right now, currently. Right, right, right. But uh, and it it's bizarre. So there are different different ways that AI is going to address people's needs. I would say at this point, even looking at generative AI, it's meant to enhance jobs right now as opposed to replace fully. Replace. Michelle, Michelle, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I think there's so many interesting things for the for the benefit of everyone. Can we define AI? Right. What is AI? Because a code is not an AI. Right. When I say code, if you're saying that something is going to match a pattern and the pattern is not evolving, it's a fixed set of patterns. For example, most of, most of you are aware that I have a venture capital fund. I got a deal next uh, sent to me the other day saying, we have templatized an AI model for something. And as I started looking into it, I'm like, you're basically doing matching. And it's predefined matching, right? He's like, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm like, so that's not AI. Is that AI? And we went into the back and forth of that. So I think it's important for us to know, so that they can, people can follow this episode. How do you define it? So I consider AI an umbrella. So if you take a diagram, you look at an umbrella. You have on one end the simple rinse repeat. So we're talking about probably something a little bit better than your macro your macros and your excels mm-hmm. you know so you, some of those very simple tools 
rinse, repeat, and create enough intelligence uh, uh, intelligence around it to basically synthesize and summarize um, different macros in Excel. And then you have on the very far end more generative, advanced learning language. So we're talking about what I consider. Well, Waymo is a perfect example. It has it's it's integrated hardware, software, mm-hmm. and also kind of like the the patterns. It has to. It's supposed to be smart enough to react, although that's somewhat questionable. Yeah. That's that's the far end in which you are. It, it's just advanced language tools in which integrates hardware and software. Mm-hmm. What's um, what's generative AI? What's the word generative AI mean? Generate is exactly the word generative. So it basically can learn on top of each other. So it takes a case scenario. It it takes its it learns from those situations. It applies to the next similar case, and then it makes certain assumptions. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. But they try to they try to guess. And a lot of what currently I see as AI is it's in your best case a very eager. I guess teenager or toddler that wants to please their parents. They want yeah, yeah, yeah. what the parent wants to wants as an output or as an answer, and it gives you it gives an answer because that that's where the hallucinations. That's where the the unfortunately the cons in AI exist right now are those hallucinations. So who is a parent? Who is a parent in that in, in that? People, somebody like you and I, who are using, let's say, for example, everyone's aware of Chat GPT. So let's just use that as an example. Yeah. Uh, and if you're out of Chat, Chat GPT, you need to wake up from a slumber. It's it's taken over the AI. That's that's what made AI a household name now. So yeah. if you look at Chat GPT, when we say parent, are we talking about Sam Alton's of the world who created it, or are you talking about people like you and I who are giving it you some I, requests? You and I giving it any person who's typing a request. They're trying to figure out, uh, AI is trying to figure out, okay, what is, read your mind, trying to read exactly what kind of output you're looking for. Uh, so unfortunately, that happened if, they, if, that, if that software doesn't know me or you? How does it try to please you without knowing you? Or they already know, or are you saying that without you even knowing, they already know you? Through use cases. So for instance, you ask, you give it a prompt, you say, okay, this, is, this doesn't work. You enter another question. You can enter it just like you would another like person in the room. The same yeah. question. It's a dialogue. They learn from that dialogue and they try to triangulate, um, based on your different prompts and inputs and likes. What you end up liking, what you end up yeah. saying is satisfactory. Unfortunately, though, another con to current um, current Chat GPT four, five, etc. Bard. Clods of the world is that there is still a lot of uh, not just hallucinations that I talked about, but also biases, mm-hmm. and so you have to you you have to look at it with a human filter, without a doubt. And hey, let's let's uh, talk about the biases a little more. What does that mean for you? Well, I can give you a real life example. I tried to do, I could try to do a Thanksgiving card using you know Dolly. Too, which is part of the ChatGPT4 suite, seem to really like hipster um, Caucasian guys with beards for some reason. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, I'm literally putting down, I want, you know, 
a mix, a, a mixed, diverse age ranges, diverse, right. diverse uh, cultures, diverse, and then it gave me all African Americans, and I mm. couldn't figure out how to get them. I, I literally spelled it out. I would like, you know, two Latinos. I would like two Asians. I would like, you know, wow. a, a, it could not understand that. It could not give me. It just even at how specific I provided, it could not give me what I was looking for. But how do you put a human filter? That's something is great, right? Because that's a visual filter you can easily apply that. But if yeah. somebody is looking for some information on ChatGPT, and let's say I ask the question, "Give me an article about X, Y, and Z. Give me an article about diversity," and most of the content is correct, except some of those specificity, which talks about diversity for them. It could be giving your using your example as a as a basis for that that there's only two races Caucasians and African Americans that's it right yeah. how do you apply human filter to things that these are things we're aware of because we're talking about it but how do you, you apply know, human filter for topics that we have no sense of um, I think that like any any good source or any researcher would recommend is that they look at their source content of what ChatGPT is providing first. Mm -hmm. So find out and uh, trust but verify mm. the the military term of everything. Yeah. So you always double check the sources. You look for you look at other sources. I mean, I, I always at, um, look at who the source is coming from, and can I get it double verified through a separate independent source? Got it. Okay, that, now I think that makes sense. So I'm going to put some words into your mouth. You tell me if that makes sense or not. I think what we're basically saying is use these tools as a starting point, not as a deterministic end, right? Yes. And then, then figure out what you want. Like anyone, anything else, if you were to delegate a task, you're not going to blindly accept it. You're going to review the outcome. And that's all you're doing. You're delegating it to Chad GPT. It'll get you farther than you yourself much faster. But that doesn't mean it's accurate. The accuracy still lies in the eyes of the beholder of what you feel is accurate. Yes. Uh, and that's an important piece. So, Michelle, let's jump forward. How are you using AI? And I'll give you two, to, two different distinct buckets here. How are you using AI in your personal life? And how are you using AI in your business life? Well... I definitely, the two tools that I always use in my personal, as well as business, personal, if you haven't signed up for ChatGPT4, that would be an easy, you know, low-hanging fruit to start with. And the reason is because it gives you access to not only the, the OpenAI platform, but also, you know, you have advanced analytics embedded. You have APIs connected to it. And on top of it, you have access to Dolly. I'm, I'm not necessarily promoting i'm not sponsored by any of these just so that you know what's the let's i'm sorry let's let's actually pause for this this tool because it's a very important tool how are how can people use chat chat gpd to enhance their life how can they use dolly to enhance their life because not everyone needs a graphical image being produced right so help me understand that for our listeners when would you what are the use cases you're using it for and then why should they pay $20 a month or whatever that is for ChatGPT4? Sure. I use it as a start point, as what you said earlier. I, I use it as an idea generator. I think it's a fantastic idea generator. Even in it, your personal life? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned a Thanksgiving card, for instance. Yeah. Right. So I I I tried to you know get some ideas yeah. to using Dolly on a customized something very personal because this was the mm. first time that I could actually create something that was a little bit more personal but fast. Yeah. You know, and okay, so it didn't work this time, but you know, I'm optimistic that maybe it'll get. <laughs> it'll change. It'll change. It has to change. <laughs> it'll generate a better a, a better card for next year. Um, so, you know, on a personal level, I, I, you could use it for cards. You can use it for announcements. You could use, I used it actually recently to try to take a trip with my daughters to Asia. And I was, I was using ChatGPT to give me, okay, I have 10 days. I'm going to be in these cities, help map an itinerary. Yeah. Give me, and it didn't work because it was more for like older people. My kids are 16 and 18. So right. I had. You could right. ask and prompt and tailor it to, you know, teenagers, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's a great tool for as a starting off point. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, so let's let's move forward. Chat GPT, Dolly, great examples, and I've used them for similar purposes. Actually, uh, it can generate a great image for social media as well, for personal or professional. It doesn't matter. You can give it anything. It can basically enhance what you want to say. And more important, if you're not, if English is not your native language, you can actually give it a give it a text and say that make it better or whatever. However, you want to say that this is not a prompt engineering lesson. That's a completely different uh, course. We're basically saying that you can give any input, and depending upon what your ask is, it'll either refine it, it'll suggest mm-hmm. something else. It's all depending upon what question. It's like I think consider if tell me if this is right. Chat GPT is like your teacher the, the teacher is only going to give you the response it's only going to give you the response to the question you asked they have a lot more knowledge but if yes. you don't ask the right question you're not going to get the right answer yes it's like an assistant for me assistant even better yeah so if i need some help um uh to bounce ideas off of or speed things along Heck, I could even throw in some recipes and say, okay, help me enhance this. Right. Um, uh, or what it would be a good substitute if I'm out of X ingredient. Correct. Correct. So, Love um, that. I think, I think chat GPT has innumerable use cases. Once you start using your mind, it's going to explode. If you haven't used it already, hopefully everyone has tried it. If not chat GPT 4.0, at least the, the free version, 3.5 or whatever. I can't remember the versions now. Oh, 3.5, yeah. 3.5. So let's talk about the next, the next tool that you use in your daily life. So, the, uh, well, we talked about ChatGPT4, which I use all the time. And right. I also use the note-taking tool. So uh, I know a lot of us are still semi-remote or mm-hmm. completely remote. And so having a note-taking tool, whether that be Fireflies, Otter, or even Zoom just came out with their own note-taking right. tool embedded, I think it's a huge productivity enhancer. I'm not constantly trying to remember what I need to do. It's all summarized. It's shareable. So that is a definite win in terms of the pocketbook because you don't have to have an assistant take the notes, write it up, send it out, et cetera. Um, And it, it allows me to focus on making actual connections to people as opposed to busy taking notes so I can get things done faster and more efficiently. 
Love that. Any other tools that you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep, until you, until you tell me enough, yeah. what other tools are there? I mean, a lot of people swear by the, you know, just like the writing. So there is Grammarly AI, which is out there. You've got um, Notion AI as well for those people that love writing and are looking, perhaps we all have that dream of writing our book. Yeah. <laughs> so I know a lot of writers swear by Grammarly as well as Notion. And those I think are great. It it depends on your different hobbies. There's some really great, there are great ones for presentations. Canva, beautiful, are out there. But Canva I, I, an AI tool? Excuse me? Is Canva an AI tool? Never. It was never originally an AI yeah. tool. However, that's a great question that you're asking because more and more companies that are non-AI specific are now launching their AI, you know, mm. enhanced version. You know, you've got Box, you've got Dropbox which were just pure storage service providers. Now they have Box AI and Dropbox, right. et cetera. So um, more and more, you're going to have these artificial AI tools embedded into your regular technology. Got it's it. And then and are there similar tools you use for your business as well, or your business is surrounded by a different set of tools? I use ChatGPT and you know, taking AI tools all the time in my business. It's uh, some of the low-hanging fruits I, I suggest to those around me who ask. There are other AI tools out there that will help a syndicator or someone who's a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. um, on the underwriting side, for those who, there are several out there. Um, you've got, you know, uh, tools of different price points. Intel Cree is one of them. Archer, uh, Click AI, Red IQ, they all have their own type of yeah. versions of writing AI tools. And then you have on the back end, Meta Lease, Lisa AI, for those who are looking to enhance their property management uh, services. Uh, they're great in terms of providing 24-7 uh, lead generation as well as response. So they have chatbots when you know there isn't a property manager yeah. to help the scheduling of the tour or to answer any of the you know top FAQs. It can do that seven days a week, 24-7. So it has a dramatic and positive impact on your response rates as well as uh, your lead generation. I had a, a, a friend of mine who within a week of deploying me to lease, for instance, saw an increase by 18% of the you know tours, bookings of tours. Mm -hmm. And uh, the response rate was definitely higher than that of a human in terms of just getting of course they don't They don't take yeah. a break. Um, exactly. <laughs> they don't get tired. Tired, <laughs> yes. yeah. They don't. Have, they don't have to eat. So, nothing. I think that that makes sense. Michelle, how are you seeing your companies? I don't know if you have if you have a metric to share with us before AI versus post AI or during AI. There's never going to be a post AI because there's always going to be an AI now. Um. There's a lot of it has to do with productivity. A lot of it has to do with in terms of does it have an Im a direct impact on the revenue? Mm -hmm. So uh, I mentioned the two tools, Lease AI and uh, Meta Lease. They definitely have an impact on both sides of the equation, on the revenues as well as the expenses. Sure. Um, on the revenue side, if you see a huge uptick of bookings as well as applic um, applications and their move-ins because of this, you know, that's, that's money in the bank, yeah. you know, so if, 
if you can even if you could increase your capacity um, by even two to three more applications and move-ins by per month, depending how large your portfolio is, I mean that's real. That's a real ROI we're talking about. Plus, on top of it, the cost savings from not having to employ another human being to even answer a fraction of right. coverage, you know, that's again money saved. So the ROI there is is real. I mean, I that would be a perfect case study scenario for AI, like the good things that AI can do. On the flip side, you have to really, really be concerned, and that's again circling back to the human filter and making sure that you apply good governance to this. Mm-hmm. Is housing has uh, will be increasingly butting heads with AI in terms of you know fair housing standards. So you have to be right. Careful. That's where the human filter becomes absolutely mission critical. No, it does. It does, especially with the example you gave a Dolly before. Uh, yeah, it it only understands diversity f- to the extent it has been taught. Doesn't mean it's perfect. So you yes. can't expect the the tool to be politically correct and yes. be compliant if the compliance data was never fed to the tool. It can only, exactly. as I always think about it, is like it's it's we are as intelligent as as the exposure we have, right? It's, if you pick somebody from a tribe. And expect them to understand the what eighty four, eighty five different gender types right now that exist. You can't expect them to understand that. It's not their fault. It has no. to be. It has to be brought up to speed. And once it's up to speed, they'll be fine. But if you just take them out of the tribe all all of a sudden and put them in an environment like this, they won't understand, right? They only understand male and female. That's all they yeah. understand. But then the other varieties, which are all important. Uh, that, that the modern world has introduced, somebody has to give them the vernacular. I think I think AI is no different. AI is uh, uh, we're giving our kids the exposure, same exposure the tool needs. But now I think to your point about governance, is that it's important who is giving it the information, right? And are they yes. giving the information in the right context? Um, well, not that's an excellent point. It's not just who, who's giving the information, but also who's checking so that that's checked. Yeah. So yeah, it has to be great. I think, I think like anything else, technology always has pros and cons, right? I don't think yeah. the world's going to die anytime soon. AI is not going to take over the world, but it's a conversation that it's a very, I have two girls, eight and 10, it's a constant conversation about AI. Should I use oh. it in my homework, right? Oh, is, I know. Uh, is that the right thing to do? And that's a very interesting answer because you don't want to push them away in leveraging a tool, especially if you're looking for as an entrepreneur, Here's a tool that can that can tell activity, but you're telling them it's a cheating, so don't do it. And yeah. that's what they're learning, right? So it's a very it's a very interesting balance that you have to manage and maintain about how can they discern where they should use it and where they should not use it and to what extent. And this is more this is a breaches into the philosophical question of you know, at what point are are you ready to know is the information given garbage or is the information yeah. and how to check to see if it's garbage? Correct. Um, so as adults post, you know, post some experience, you hope that, you know, uh, you're reading this information. It's like any information that we get on through the media, what is garbage and what isn't. Correct. We have to check the sources 
and see if we can triangulate using other independent sources. Yeah. Then maybe there is some substance to it. A lot of us want to take the easy route and just accept what's given. And that's the danger. And that's where human intelligence is going to be much more required and just, and just disseminating between, you know, thinking like sheep and really proactively looking for the tools that enhance our lives and make our and make the work that we do that much faster and better. Um, oh, perfectly. Perfectly, Michelle. And, and thank you for bringing that up. So, Michelle, for somebody who's in their wealth creation journey and wealth in terms of financial, because we're talk, I'm, I'm bringing it back to the syndication world right now okay. and the real estate world, how can they use AI? Not as a syndicator. A syndicator would be to enhance and bring, bring more productivity to business level. Have you seen tools and AI being used for passive investors? Absolutely. So you can u- easily use chat GPT to write letters, whether the, to, to your partners, for instance, on any issues that you might have, any topics you have, communication with your broker. So it could be you know, any brokerage, Fidelity, Quest, and Trust, if you have, if you have self-directed, you can use it to write emails, professional emails to your colleagues and other, you know, depending on how act passive and active you are, if a lot of those who are passive investors in my group also have their single family homes or Airbnb. So you're still having to write letters to, in compliance to your lawyers or, you know, it's great. It's great for first drafts. Let's put it Mm -hmm. this way. It's fantastic for first draft, gives you an idea, gives you structure, and this is where you do the iteration, the fine-tuning, the customization that's needed to make it your own. Perfect. And Michelle, I know you are you have developed AI-based software which could help passive investors. Do you want to bring you want to talk about that? Yes, absolutely. So my background has been econ. I'm a bit of an econ nut. I studied that um, both in graduate school and undergrad. And so I triangulated kind of like the three things that I love very much, you know, economics, uh, technology, and real estate. And with the with the help of uh, of a developer friend of mine, created an AI tool that I would love to offer some of your listeners. The first ten that uh, that reach out to me directly, I'd be happy to give them access to. It's uh, it's a very simple tool on how to identify using the large economic indicators, you know, population growth, median household income, job growth, uh, home prices over a certain period of time, but also climate change issues mm-hmm. and pro- landlord or tenancy laws. And so I folded all these different factors and put it together into a nice AI format. It will do the analytics for you and compare, compare the different target um, cities. It's focused on the top 300 cities across the U.S. only. So if you're looking at to invest in or look at moving to a small rural town in Wyoming, it's not going to give you that. But any of the larger cities across the country, it will give you those metrics. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just add some context to it. So whenever you're investing in a property, in a deal, in an opportunity, uh, it could be real estate or not, you're looking at some economic indicators, right? So... For example, if you're buying a real estate, you want to see that 
are people moving in there or are people moving out of there? So okay. is there a positive population growth or negative population growth, right? So it's important for you to understand that. Same is true for jobs. Are yeah. jobs growing? Is it becoming the Detroit in 1980s or is it becoming the Detroit in 2023? And the patterns yeah. and things change, right? So things like that, you need access. Now, can you find access to this information online? You can. Just like, can you write your own research report? You can, right? But go back, going back to the premise of the AI, the premise of the AI is it'll help you create some leverage in your in your existing world, right? And that's really a tool like that with Michelle can play a big role into it where you know, you can plug in, you can go to a website which has already consolidated all the information uh, and it's on a real-time basis. It's not like there's a lag. And also giving you a starting analysis on it. I've used the tool. I'm still continuing to use the tool. I'm still learning a lot on the tool itself. Uh, but I would encourage to at least have a conversation with Michelle, reach out, and then see how this tool could be helpful in your journey as a passive or as an active. Because even as a passive investor, you can take your sponsor's word it's a good market, right? The biggest responsibility for a passive investor is to wet the sponsor, right? And if your sponsor has picked a wrong market for you, doesn't mean it's a wrong market. It doesn't suffice your needs and your goals that may or may not be the right sponsor for you. Or it may be because you learned something else from the sponsor's criteria that you can, but you can't challenge the sponsor if you don't have the data, right? Yeah. That's where the data comes into power and you can... You can pressure test the sponsors saying, why not this market? You picked an XYZ city in Texas, why not ABC, right? What's the difference between the two? You're, you're getting into this conversation armed with data, right? That's an important man. Of course, as a syndicator or as an active investor, it doesn't matter again, an Airbnb or whatever you want to pick, these data are good indicators of how to move forward. Right? So I would say that Regardless of you use Michelle's tool or not, I would encourage you to at least explore it. Regardless of not, you need, as an investor, you want to take control of the data. You want to understand the data so that you can move forward with that. Uh, Michelle, uh, thank you again for the very generous offer. I'm hoping that's at, at least the first 10 and hopefully way more, they are able to take advantage of that offer. So thank you again for offering to that, our investors, to our listeners. Uh, Michelle, yes. moving towards the end of our show, uh, there are a few questions we always end up with. I think the first question you already answered, but I'm going to ask it again just to make sure that people are expecting that question, uh, which is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? I definitely... <laughs> the first expression is, buck up little camper, it's going to be all right. <laughs> right. 100%. 100%. Um, because we always have a way, especially at that age, of over-dramatizing even now, I would yeah. say even now that my life sucks uh, and everything is going to end. Uh, when, when if you talk to somebody who's ahead of us in terms of wisdom and age, they're going to tell yeah. us, you have a long life to live. You'll be okay. You'll be fine. Exactly. And also, you know, there are two other things. First, you are enough. Mm. And, the, and the third is remain your authentic stay true to stay true to who you are to your path right and um 
I've been very, very fortunate to have a very an amazing tribe that I'm surrounded by, and I've that that gives me all of that. So um, yes, and Michelle, so, next question is going to be around where do you feel there's a there's a gap in humanity right now? Where should humanity as a whole should migrate? The one, the one word that comes in comes to mind when you ask that question is the word connection. Mm. I think we really, there's been a lack of connection that has created so much mistrust, fear, uh, inability for us as individuals to connect with others. If, if, and it's needed. I mean, that's one of the key components to uh, achieving real happiness is the research is out there. There's been this general malaise, especially post-pandemic, yeah. about needing to feel connected. And so that would be one one thing I wish uh, we could focus on. Yeah, no, I think if COVID didn't tell us, if the COVID told us one thing, it told us a lot of things. Yeah. It was one thing was a lot of people were severely depressed because they couldn't talk to other people. They were not comfortable in their own in their own presence, right? Now, there's a whole philosophical discussion, why weren't you? Um, because you should be able to enjoy your own company, and if you're not, you're in the wrong company. So maybe we need to fix that company, right? That's a completely different uh, argument, maybe a different podcast, maybe a series of podcasts, but this is not a podcast for that. We're going to talk about the companionship and the connection is very important. Is it a, either is it with it yourself or with others, right? That connection is very important. If you're missing that connection in life, um, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much success you have, you're not going to feel fulfilled. So thank you again for, for saying that, uh, Michelle. The next question really is, sorry, what was that, Michelle? No, I mean, that is one of the definitions when uh, tying it back to the migrate to wealth. That is one of the definitions of wealth. I mean, it's right. you share it with, the, the people you surround, being, doing things that matter with with people that matter. So. No, 100%. So Michelle, uh, one last question, or uh, one more question is around, in the last, we've been talking for the last almost 45 minutes, so approximately, sure. who's counting, but what's one thing that I know, I didn't get a chance to ask you that you feel is going to impact our listeners? Well, we, we this is also a part of the longer conversation of, of the meaningful life, like we're, we're we just started the first of February, so things you know, your a lot of people's New Year's resolutions are start are starting to kind of right. frazzle, etc. And really, it's the idea of what is staying authentic to yourself, to your own personal goals, and not what is extrinsic. So looking right. from within. Of what, what, how do you underwrite? Or the question would be, whose life script are you living? Um, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but uh, I'll leave the podcast. We'll do it one time. At some point, we'll do that podcast too. It's an important podcast. But that's uh, that's truly the question: whose life script are you living? Is it that of the external forces, social pressure? Is it from? What the media thinks you should be saying, what your parents think that yeah. uh, you should be doing, or what what is it? If you had to write your own life script, what would it look like? Correct, 
Correct, correct. I, I completely agree. I think, as you said, it's a much broader conversation because there's a lot deeper conversations that need to have to even explore that at the surface. Um, yes. But we'll, maybe, as, as I said, we'll, we'll have that conversation at some point. Can't promise when, but we'll have it at some point. Um, Michelle, if somebody wants to reach out to you, especially for the tool or amazing things you're doing in the real estate investing world, where can they sure. find um, They can reach me through my website. It's uh, investingwithfire.com. And uh, you could book a 15-minute call right there on my website. We could go through some intros. You could also su subscribe because I write uh, about lots of different things, whether that is tech on AI or economic trends where the Fed is going in terms of, as we know from t yesterday's announcements, they aren't going to probably make the cut right. earlier versus later. Um, so I do a lot of, you know, for crystal ball of forecasts and assumptions based on my background, as well as real estate. If you're interested in anything that I'm invested in, feel free to book a call. I'm happy to reach out and, and, and chat. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you again for your valuable time. I really thank enjoyed you. the conversation. I think this, the AI, AI world is, we're just scratching the surface for AI. It's Very going much. to evolve much faster than we all can imagine. So I would recommend and ask everyone to pay attention to what's happening in the AI world, because if you're not paying attention, somebody else is going to. And if they pay attention and you're not, your voice is not going to be part of that conversation. Uh, definitely stay abreast on that. It's going to be helpful. You're going to be doing yourself a favor, your next generation a favor. With that, thank you again for the listeners to staying till the end. If you're hearing this part of the conversation, that means you stayed through till the end. So thank you again for doing that. This show would not be possible without your commitment and your support to listening to the information. Our guest is as, go as good as, as a value you get from them. Uh, so thank you again for giving us your most valuable resource your time. Michelle, thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.